Today on Talking Sports with Tony V, many of our fans will remember February 10th, 2000, the day the Seattle Mariners traded the best player in Major League Baseball, catch 8th, 2022, the Seahawks traded Russell Wilson and then went on to release Bobby Wagner. What exactly are the future plans for the Seahawks? That's coming up on Talking Sports with Tony V. Hey everyone, welcome to Sports with Tony B. I'm Tony Ventura. Uh, Rohit's across the desk from me, and we are a bit shaken by this trade. I don't necessarily mean physically shaken, but uh, I think the emotions are all over the board, especially among the fans uh, on the announcement of the departure of Russell Wilson, uh, who just 10 years ago this week, this week, this uh, next month, uh, came here as a third round draft pick. And little did we know he would be the savior and a star for the next 10 years. So we're talking about moving on now, and it is a big move on. And to make matters even more interesting, Rohit, it was a complete surprise to most people based on what Coach Carroll and John Schneider said even just one week ago. That is a big change right there. Do you agree? Yeah, absolutely. There there's been rumors that we are looking at moving him, uh, but many rumors for many, many years that he just uh, was kind of done with Seattle himself. Every offseason it was, is he coming back, is he not? Uh, but it seemed like lately he was pretty adamant that, that this is his home. So I don't know necessarily how much he had to do with this behind the scenes or if it was just us. But yeah, I mean, all across the board, Emotions are all over the place. I've heard some people say this is fantastic. They're very excited. And some people who are the complete opposite, they're heartbroken. They grew up with Wilson. And when we take a look at the Seahawks, you know, the the real surgence happened in the Wilson era. So it, it leaves a big impact. Yeah, there's no doubt, especially coming off the years they were coming off when he was drafted in the third round. They had, they had an awful season in 09. Of course, uh, Mike Holmgren left in 08. That was a bad four or five win season. Four win season. 09 was a five win season. 10 was the famous seven and nine. The Marshawn Lynch uh, beast quake somehow beat New Orleans. 11 wasn't very good. And then comes the draft. And before the draft, we had purchased or traded for Matt Flynn, signed him for $5 million. People go, well, he's a pretty good quarterback. So we're going to be okay for 2012. And then they they draft Russell in the third round in the mid-70s, and people are going, well, we've seen this guy, but do we know him? He's kind of short. Can he see over the line? You know, all kinds of questions about Russell Wilson. And then, of course, I, I was with the team then. I remember his first day of training camp, and uh, he's working his way up the ladder. He becomes the number, starts out number three quarterback, number two quarterback after about a week. And in the third preseason game, I will never forget, the night or two prior to that game when Coach was announcing the starter at quarterback for the Seahawks in game three of the preseason 2012, and he announced that it would be Russell Wilson, the rookie, and people were going, uh-oh, this means Matt Flynn, and they said Matt Flynn was injured, but I don't believe it. I think they were just ready to move on at that point. So from that day until yesterday, he was the man, and now – People need to move on. Just to give, uh, again, to reiterate what happened, he was traded to the Broncos. 
for two first-round draft picks, one immediately and one next year, two second-round picks, and a fifth-round pick, along with three players, uh, quarterback Drew Locke, who hasn't been uh, gotten that much uh, experience, three years. I think he had a couple of touchdown passes and two rushing TDs last year. Defensive end Shelby Harris, who is pretty good, six sacks, 49 tackles, seven years in the league, 30 years old. And tight end Noah Fant, 24 years old out of Iowa, pretty good potential, 68 catches, 670 yards, uh, and four touchdowns last year. And now the question comes up with all the buzz uh, about Russell going on and moving on to the Broncos, what happens next? And you, you of course, asked that question. That's a good one because uh, immediately after, it was a few hours later, uh, and not a surprise, Bobby Wagner gets released to clear $16 million in cap space. So, boy, everybody's gone. Everybody is gone from that uh, Super Bowl team, Rohit. Yeah, and it, it seems so long ago now. And, and I guess in, you know that's the difference between football, I feel, and other sports is year to year, your team can look completely different, whereas with baseball and basketball, for the most part, your team year to year roughly stays the same. But in football, I mean, you flip a switch and it's completely different. Yeah, free agency, of course, has is, is, is done that with, with every sport, but probably more, it's more noticeable in football, which is funny because it should be more noticeable in baseball since there are fewer players on the team and in basketball. But, um, yeah, uh, more recently, since football is the most popular of those three, it's more noticeable in football. Um, and it's funny, too. Remember the buzz a year ago when Russell was talking about the four teams that he would be willing to, to go to because he has a no trade clause, as you know, mm-hmm. and the Broncos were among those four teams. Uh, now he also reportedly was offered a, they were offered a trade with the Washington team and with the Eagles and Russell indicated that he would not accept those trades. But I think, you know, it's the old domino theory. What happened here probably was caused by Aaron Rodgers. Not probably. It most likely was caused by the fact that he, re-signed with the uh, Packers for $150 million for three years. So I'm sure the Seahawks are thinking, holy cow, if we keep Russell and he has a great season, he's going to want $50 million. <laughs> And then you've got the Broncos who are thinking, well, shoot, we really wanted Aaron Rodgers. We can't get him. Let's go after Russell. And this is how, you know, and of course, everyone's at the combine last week. So the guys are together, the GMs and the coaches. And it's not like you have to do it over Zoom anymore. They're sitting in the same room, and they can make deals. And that's why this was so sudden. Uh, besides, they're very good secret keepers, the Seahawks are. You have to you have to agree with that. Yeah. And we, we know that uh, there's been these rumors for a while that he might go somewhere. But it just – you're absolutely right. It, it came at, at a domino effect where – Aaron Rodgers signed on and then it kind of all the pieces kind of fell into place And Elway. You have to give it to him. He is dedicated. He wants to bring a ring to Denver and he's made that very clear, not only with his words, but with his actions as well. That's true. And they've got other pieces, obviously quite a few other pieces. I'm not that familiar with the Denver roster, but Russell is. And, uh, and obviously Elway is, and, uh, so he's looking at that thinking, wow, pretty good protection, good offensive line. Uh, we got some targets. We got some running backs. 
Uh, we've got a franchise that, is, that really wants to win. Not that Seattle doesn't want to win because they always do. You got the you got a Hall of Fame quarterback, John Elway. That's you know your boss or your big boss anyway. A new coach, new offensive coach that Russell likes. All these things add up. Plus, it's time. It's really it really is time. He's thirty three, uh, and he, you know most likely had he had a great season this year, he would have moved on anyway. Um, but there was a chance. What if he didn't have a great season? That would have closed the door for Russell and for the Seahawks. If he had played here in 22 and not had a good year for whatever reason, his value would have dropped. His future would have, his would have been more limited and the Seahawks future, as far as what they could get for him would have been limited. So the timing was just about right. And that's why it happened. It seems sudden, but you know, this scenario, if it could have happened a month ago, it would have, but obviously it couldn't because it was the off season. They can't do trades. But anyway, this this is going to be it's going to be great for Denver, and a lot of question marks are now in there for the Seahawks. What can they do in the world? Number one question mark is who do they replace them with? Yeah, and finding a quarterback is not easy. You take a look at Indianapolis. The Colts have now had six QBs in the last six years. So finding that franchise quarterback is not as simple as just, you know, waiting for the draft. It, you know, there's a lot of hit and misses. It's true. I think the Broncos have had 11 quarterbacks since they lost to the, uh, since they uh, uh, beat the, since they won the Super Bowl two years after, one year after they lost to the Seahawks in Super Bowl 49. So it's been a rough go for them as well. They need to, they need to bounce back and get some QB, get a QB, and they got one now. So there's there's options out there. Uh, one, of course, is the draft, and that's that's a you talk about a crapshoot. That really is a tough one because you're you know the chances of grabbing another Russell Wilson or uh, or any of the great quarterbacks of the past. Uh, you know, you got Mahomes, and you got the guy in Buffalo, and the, the one in, with the Chargers. There's a lot of good quarterbacks that have come up the last couple of years. Uh, but you know, you got to find one that fits your offense that, uh, likes it in the city, that likes the coaching staff. And there are guys out there. Seahawks do have the number nine overall pick. They got, uh, Malik Willis out of uh, Liberty, a pretty, uh, pretty decent quarterback. Uh, Kenny Pickett out of Pittsburgh, Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati. So there's some choices out there. And then, of course, the other way to go is a trade. And that is, I don't know. That might be a rocky road. I'm not sure I want to do any of the trades. Are you familiar with some of the guys available who are, who might be available? What do you think about them? The Derek Carrs and Garoppolo and those guys. Yeah, that that's tough. There's one person that I've heard mentioned, and I'm oh, I'm just drawing a blank on his name now. I'll I'll take a look at that. But one one question I've got for you is his finger getting hurt this year. We were right. we were close to the playoffs. You and I spoke how you know we we lost all the games while he was out. It would have been a different story had he been in. How much of an impact did that injury cause, and and did it possibly lead to all the moves? Well, I think it yeah it definitely was a factor because had that not happened, you would have you, all you have to do is flip three of those games. Suddenly you're ten and seven, or maybe even eleven and six, and you get into the playoffs and he's playing well and everybody, they got the two great receivers and the 
and the running back, you know, uh, uh, Penny came into his own late in the season. Uh, your tight ends were playing well. Uh, yeah, it could have been a totally different story. Had they gotten into the playoffs and won one or two games, then it would have, uh, I think it would have been a better taste in his mouth and in the mouth of, of the, uh, mouths of the Seahawks as well. And that can, of course, Denver still would have been looking for a quarterback and still may have made him an offer. And maybe if he had a great season, they would have made him an even bigger offer. You know, who knows? So um, it's tough to say whether uh, the 7-10 and 10 season and no playoffs and the broken finger led to this or if it would have happened anyway. But uh, it's a great thing to speculate, and obviously we're never going to know. Um, and the draft, like I said, draft is coming up in April. Boy, I'll tell you one thing, Rohit, this is really the first time in, what, three or four years that the team has had a first-round pick. So that first night of the draft on Friday, whatever day it is in April, there's going to be tremendous interest in this draft, uh, unlike any draft in the past few years. So they may not even they may not draft a quarterback, but uh, I would think if they don't get one uh, on a trade between now and then, they have to draft a quarterback. But it may not be with their first pick. If they, if they get a decent trade and they and they like the person they get whether it's any of the names that we've recognized out there, Garoppolo or Sam Darnold or Deshaun Watson or Derek Carr or even Gardner Minshew, whether any of those names, and they think, well, you know, we can develop this guy or this guy might fit our system, then maybe they would draft a quarterback later on. They're definitely going to draft one. But the question is, is it with the ninth overall pick or one of their other picks? So it's going to be very intriguing. There's going to be a huge audience on draft night. Now you mentioned a domino effect, and with the team, you've you've got some potential uh, trade bait as well. So, what do you do with Metcalf? What do you do with Lockett? Well, see, there's yeah, that's a quandary because you got you got two great receivers right there, two very different kinds of receivers, uh, both big play type guys, and they uh, you get a big arm quarterback that comes in, and that's the kind of guy they want. You need a Lockett. And you need a Metcalf. And where are you going to replace those guys? We're already in the, they're up to their ears trying to replace people. So I don't know why, uh, unless the trade bait is so good for a Lockett or a Metcalf. And maybe are you getting a quarterback and, and a replacement receiver? That's a crapshoot too. So, you know, I don't know. I mean, I think it, well, they start, <laughs> you know, if you, you trade both of those guys and you don't do well for some reason. Oh, well, obviously that's not the goal. You want to do great by trading them. But if you start chipping away at more pieces of the puzzle, especially familiar names, yeah. and you don't get some blockbuster results, the fan base is going to be very, very upset. Uh, you know, on the other hand, if you get a bunch of new guys you never heard of and they start winning right off the bat, people have short memories. So this is a, this is a very precarious situation. And not that they're worried about it, I'm sure, but for, for Coach Carroll and for John Schneider, uh, they are, you know, they're walking, they're walking on eggs here, you know. They're not afraid. They're not, you know, they, they're challenged. That's what they do. And they expect to finish and do well. But still, it's a risk to tell you they're both taking a big risk with this one. Yeah, absolutely. And what, what this does for the Seahawks is it offers them a chance to move veteran players with big contracts possibly opening up a, a lot more money for, for the draft. And, and like you mentioned, you know, it's been a while since we've had a lot of picks, 
lot of time between, um, especially the first round. So there's a lot of players out there that could be great fits. I know the Seahawks are rumored to be most interested in Malik Willis out of Liberty as a possible replacement. Yeah, that is true. And, and, and sure, here's the other thing, too. The math, the math is always with you uh, when you trade away big contracts because you've got Russell, of course, with his 35 million, would have been 50. Uh, may may have demanded that had had he wanted to follow the uh, the, the Aaron Rodgers uh, you know deal in Green Bay, but you get a new whoever comes in new, you get five or six or seven draft picks and three of them work out. You're good for their draft their rookie years until they have, until they get into the big contract. That's the way the league has designed it. So you may look at with Russell. I mean, he won the Super Bowl when he was still on a rookie contract. So you had a $600,000 quarterback that won that Super Bowl and went to the second Super Bowl. And uh, teams would love to repeat that every 10 or 15 years, but, uh, but it's easier said than done. So, yeah, I mean, look at uh, Josh Allen and God, Mahomes, those guys early on, they were bargains. And that's what they always look for. You look for a superstar that's not getting paid much. And then you then you look for a superstar that is getting paid much, but is still a superstar. And as soon as that superstar status is tainted just a little, the salary is still superstar level, and that's when you move on. So that's exactly what has happened here. Now, as far as the emotional uh, impact on Seattle, I think it's always a sad time because you know, and not to mention the fact that you have to take down all those posters. What does Alaska Airlines do now with their, what was he, the chief something officer for Alaska? <laughs> uh, and then you have, it's interesting too, because I get my season tickets every year and uh, and they send me, I just got the email two days ago, and Russell's picture, of course, is prominent on that uh, first page of the, of, the, um, of the website and of the email. And then I noticed the second day, you know, there's, they're starting to change up the pictures on there, but... Uh, I renewed my tickets, by the way, for 2022. And I must admit, I mean, I must say the Packers are coming to town. So, uh, Packers, I mean, the Broncos are coming to town. So that uh, Russell Wilson will be playing uh, in Lumen Field with a different uniform on, which is, you talk about an emotional Sunday. Wow. Yeah, because even with Griffey, it was uh, some years before he came back. and um... That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah, so and the, the the sad part with that trade was that he was well, you know, actually he was, he was middle midway through his career, but he was never the great player, obviously, with the Reds that he was with uh, with the uh, Mariners. Although I think he homered, if I, if I'm right, he homered against the Mariners in Seattle as a Red as a Cincinnati player. Yeah, and got <laughs> a standing ovation. Call. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. <laughs> Oh man, what a what a uh, yeah that was that was a tough one. It's funny they had a, a whole listing of trades that were unpopular, and yeah, they that may have been even more unpopular than this Russell Wilson trade. The difference was as good as Griffey was, he never brought a championship, nor did anyone else to uh, Seattle uh, in terms of Mariners winning a World Series. But he did bring that magical '95 season. And remember who they got for it. They got Mike Cameron, who actually ended up having four pretty good seasons. Yeah, absolutely. Afterwards. 
Now, and then you had there were other trades too, the Gary Payton trade, and for Desmond Mason and Ray Allen, Kevin Ollie, uh, back in um, uh, three years later, two thousand three. That wasn't totally popular. Uh, Randy Johnson going to Houston mm. for Freddie Garcia, although Freddie turned out to be a really good pitcher. Randy went on to win a at least one World Series and maybe two. I'm trying with Arizona. And, did he yeah. win one with the Yankees? I can't remember now, but I know that uh, he went on to postseason greatness after he left Seattle. But the most famous trade of all, Rohit, you may not realize it happened in January of 1983. The Seattle Breakers traded the rights to Tom Martin to the Victoria Cougars for a used bus. <laughs> Is that a true and, story? Yeah, yeah. And the future considerations, yeah. And they call it the bussy trade. I'm <laughs> serious. <laughs> now, what, what sport is this? That was in uh, that was in Western Hockey League hockey, the Seattle Breakers. They are now known as the Thunderbirds. Wow. Yep. It's uh, January of 1983. <laughs> <laughs> that, that one happened. Um, and it's a tough time. I was just thinking about it, too. Here we are. The early in the year, spring is around the corner. The draft is coming up. The, now you got the baseball season on hold. Hopefully that'll end soon, that whole standoff between the owners and the players. You've got the, uh, the new hockey team that has lost 10 of 11, at least when we're recording this podcast. They've lost 10 out of 11. They're not going to have a great season no matter what. They're getting good PR and the, and the fans are going, but it's not the wins and losses is not going to happen. You're not going to win anything. Uh, no deal between the players and the owners. And, you know, the, the, the Huskies probably won't make the, uh, <laughs> the final, uh, the March Madness unless they win the Pac-12. So there's a lot of stuff that's uh, just disappointing. Seattle University, thank goodness, had a great basketball season. But then you go and trade Russell Wilson. This is a tough time. A lot of people go into the Kleenex box uh, here in Seattle in, uh, in, in early March. Yeah, what's interesting is I've received a lot of text messages from, from various friends all over, and there's a lot of mixed emotion. I would say the majority of them, are 75%, are, are saddened by this news. And, you know, it's the end of an era. It's the end of Seahawks football as they've known, um, you know, ever since uh, Hasselbeck moved on and, and it's been Wilson. So that's been interesting. The people who are in favor of this, strangely enough, are all my friends who are 49er fans. So, you know, seeing a lot of those memes pop up. Uh, <laughs> but one one thing I wanted to talk to you about was the sentimental value of having a, a player like this move. The, the position that most people say is the most valued position in all of sports is the quarterback position. And when you keep hearing Russell Wilson, it's, it's Wilson's team. You, and, and you always hear him say, go Hawks. And, and he's always, you know, talking about the Seahawks. Is it sentimental? That is re- sentiment. Sen- is it <laughs> emotional? Uh, yeah. An emotional tie that, that people are, are uh, sad to lose. Or I think that, well, here's, here's what I think it is. And you brought it up a second ago, actually. It, it has everything to do because we are, you know, as much as we love 
other things and other people. Most people love themselves first, or at least they should. <laughs> and what, when, whenever there's a, an, okay, this era, take this era, 2012 to 2022, that's a 10-year span, right? If you're 40 years old, that's 25% of your life. And you were, say, for example, you, you go from age 30 to age 40, and you think your team's going to win a Super Bowl every year. And those were great years for you, 30 to 40, or 40 to 50, or whatever those 10 were, 20 to 30, 10 to 20. Now those years are gone. So you're, yes, you're sad that he's going, but you're sad that those years are gone as well in your life as well. So I don't know. I probably didn't explain it that well, but my point is it's, well, it's like me when I, when I go back and talk about Mickey Mantle and people go, a lot of people don't remember, couldn't tell you Mickey Mantle was or is, although any good baseball fan would. But for me, it was, I was in fifth grade when he won the triple crown. Is it the triple crown that I miss or being in fifth grade? Which one is it? It's a combination of the two and people will relate so much to the 10 years that Russell was here. You know, oh, I graduated from college. I met my wife. I, uh, you know, I had my first child. I got my first job during that time. So I think that has a lot to do. Does that make any sense? It does. So essentially what you're doing is you're defining a period in your life by whoever was running the team. And at the time, that was Russell Wilson. Yeah. It's, uh, and, and so it's as much uh, that as it is anything else, because I'll tell you what proves that. Remember when, when Richard Sherman was so popular here? He came in as a third-string corner, ended up starting. They go to the Super Bowl. They go to another Super Bowl. And then, of course, it started to fall apart a bit. He was a bit disgruntled and this and that. And then that awful incident a few months ago, although he's recovered from that and his family has as well. We wish him well. But my point is uh, you remember him until he's gone and replaced by a better player. For example, it's going to be it's tough for people to tell you who the good, who the really good linebacker was here prior to Bobby Wagner, unless you say Laura Malloy, and then you go, oh yeah, that's right, Laura Malloy. I forgot oh, about Laura Malloy, <laughs> or I forgot about this guy or that guy, you know, or Dave Wyman who played in the early '90s or guys like that. So how soon they forget? There's an old saying that goes, how soon they forget. So. I uh, dare to say they're going to remember Russell for a long time. But if by some small miracle uh, the Seahawks are able to replace him with a Josh Allen or a uh, you know a, a, a Mahomes or a guy like that, although I don't know how that's going to happen, but it could. Suddenly, two or three years from now, they're going to be going. Yeah, when did when did Russell Wilson get uh, traded? What number was he anyway? <laughs> Hopefully it won't come to that. I think we'll always remember him, and at some point his his uh, his jersey will be up in the rafters at Lumen Field. Well, what's interesting to me is you and I spoke in the off season. This was probably November December time frame, and even then you were saying that you felt like Wilson was not going to be here this year. And sure enough, here we are. And when we take a look at everything that he did when he first came on board, he was a a quarterback that we had never seen before. You had brought up his height, and certainly that was a concern that many analysts had around the league. But you take a look at what he did with the with the play action, the the running, the the making plays out of nowhere. He's about to get sacked, and all of a sudden he throws a, a long bomb out of nowhere. He was such an exciting player. And then over the years, 
you know, they, they said it was the offensive coordinators that have been holding him back. And, and then there was let Russell cook. And then, you know, we wanted to be a run first team. And so there's just been so much that has taken away from who he first was compared to who he is now. And a lot of fans are saying he's the best quarterback out there. Well, not necessarily. If you take a look, ESPN had him ranked 11th. The NFL sure. itself had him ranked 12th out of, what, 32 teams or so, I think? Yeah, well, I think that you have to understand, too, when he was doing the read option in that first couple of years, 2012 and 13, when he had Marshawn, who's a pretty good option, by the way, if you decide you don't want to run, <laughs> he's not bad. To uh, and so and at first, he was fooling teams. He was, you know, it's like it's like a pitcher, uh, a pitcher with a pretty good curveball the first time through the lineup, or a slider, second time through the lineup, third time through the lineup, good hitter's going to get to him. Yeah. And in this case, it may not be the third quarter of a game, but it might be the third game of the year or the uh, or the second time you play a team. They're going to know, you know what, this is what his trends are. They've watched film on this guy. And I think that uh, a lot of the, I'll call it trickery, even though it isn't trickery, it's just great offensive football. I don't know that the coordinators... Uh, were maybe forced to do what they had to do because defenses were beginning to figure out what Russell did and what he was doing. And so I don't know if I blame the coordinators because you have to adjust. And team defensive coordinators are very smart in this league. They can look at film and figure out, okay, he's doing that. Well, we're doing this. And it's a, you know, it's a crapshoot. It's a chess match. And uh, he won the chess matches the first few years. And then he wasn't winning as often, so that's why some people became, um, you know, slightly disgruntled. Uh, and then they saw the other thing is you see a Patrick Mahomes, who still does the magic things that Russell did early in his career, and a Josh Allen, who not only does the things Russell did, but maybe even does them better. And you can go right down the list. Those are the only two quarterbacks I've mentioned, but there's obviously a whole slew of them out there, obviously, who are not only stronger and bigger, and can run, uh, but can drag tacklers with them. So there's a lot of, you know, he's not the star. He's still a great star, and he will be with Denver. But he's not the top star uh, that he was when he first came here. So the reason I thought he might leave is because of the fact, not only he was mentioning it last year, and the agent came out with the four teams he would go to. But I'm thinking, if I, I put myself in his shoes, and by no means does that mean that I can throw or run, but I'm just saying, put myself in his shoes. Okay, you had your great years. Things aren't as great. What am I thinking now? Do I want to keep banging my head against the wall or go find a different wall? And I think the human tendency is to do one or the other. And in his case, now he figured, you know what? I'm still pretty young. Let me go explore uh, different potential at 33 years old. I mean, he could seriously have seven more seasons to play, seven or eight, who knows, and maybe get a couple of Super Bowls, and that's what he's all about. It's not that he's got anything again. He loves Seattle, and I'm sure they do. Maybe they do maintain a home here. Maybe this is going to be their home. Uh, so I get it from his standpoint, and I get it from the Seahawks' standpoint. I feel bad for the fans, but I agree that the team and Russell did the best that they thought for themselves, which is where you have to start in life. Yeah. And as we, uh, Here's what, oh, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead. 
No, I was going to say I wanted to. Uh, uh, I was going to bring up another famous trade, but I'll do it at the end of the show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was going to say this is as even we, more uh, bizarre than the first one. <laughs> as we uh, tend to wrap up, one of the things that I want to let fans know is when, if Russell goes on and has immediate success in Denver, there is a huge difference. Take out the quarterbacks. There's still a huge difference in the roster that Denver has compared to that that Seattle has. They've got the pieces in place. We don't. So if he goes on to have immediate success, don't think that that success would have happened here. We just don't have the pieces in place. Well, you know, that's that's true. I mean, uh, as a matter of fact, too, you got to remember something. They have to play the Chargers uh, and the Chiefs twice this year. So that success is going to be hard-earned. You got four really tough games facing you out of the 17 just right off the bat, not to mention uh, who else is in the division? The Raiders? Yeah. So not to mention the Raiders who might be good again. So it's going to be an interesting, <laughs> challenging time for the Denver Broncos and for Russell Wilson. But I think that most people will, uh, most people will be happy for him if he goes and wins. That part's true unless he beats Seattle in Seattle. Um, but you're right. They potentially, they are a Super Bowl team, especially now. And frankly, I don't know of anyone who would who would who would cheer against him if for some reason Denver gets to a Super Bowl next year? Unless it happens to be against Seattle, which would be a miracle, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> so I'm sorry to see him go. I was the first to interview him, as you know, in Seattle in 2012, and uh, always a great guy. And I'll never forget how he faced the first big defeat in his life, which was in 2012 against the Redskins, the then Redskins when they knocked us out of the playoffs and the first statement out of his mouth was, I have already put this game behind me. I'm planning for next season. And then when they lost a heartbreaker in Arizona to the Patriots on that last second interception, and I saw him at breakfast the next day, he said to me, pretty tough game, but we're going to move on. And I'm thinking, okay, this guy's going to be okay. So I wish him well, and it was fun, and may he have a great career from here forward. Absolutely. Wishing him the best. Want me to share my last story of a trade or a, uh, tra- a uh, transaction? Of that course. That was unpopular. We have time for that? Yeah, we need to make this a feature like uh, Tony Ventrella's uh, strangest trades out there. Well, this, was, <laughs> this is one of the best known deals in the history of sports, and you'll recall it as soon as I bring it up. But uh, the question is, will this trade of Russell Wilson to Denver Come back to haunt the Seahawks like the sale of Babe Ruth to the Red Sox in 1920 for 125 thousand mm. dollars. They sold the owner of the Red Sox in those days. Uh, I think his name was Harry Frazee. Needed 125 dollars, thousand dollars to help uh, finance a Broadway show called No No Nanette. Uh, back in 1925, Babe Ruth had already led the Red Sox to three World Series with his pitching, yeah, got sold to the Yankees. And after the sale, the Red Sox didn't win another World Series for 86 years <laughs> until 2004. So I'm thinking, could the curse of the Bambino, curse of the Bambino yeah. be surpassed by the curse of the Wilson trade? I certainly hope not because I don't have 86 years. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Tony, as, as always, we have 
I mean, your insights are so spectacular. And one of the things that you have brought to uh, this episode was the fact that you were there on, on Russell Wilson's day one and you saw that transition and everything that happened and the way that the team played out. And you bring such a experience and wealth of knowledge about NFL history, which is spectacular for us. So thank you well, for that. Great. We, we wish Russell the best and we wish the Seahawks the best. Let's move forward. That's all we can do. This has been another episode of Talking Sports with Tony V. Mm-hmm.